that he'll be starting on and ask them to go ahead and continue that uh, and not, not so we wouldn't miss any anything in that and uh, so they've they've graciously done that Jacob was here last week as you know done a great job good good material uh, a little short-winded but he got good material that he shared with us and but that'll that'll change as he as he grows and as he continues to speak and I have no no doubt that Brother Robert's got some great things he wants to share with you. And I, I appreciate our young people. I appreciate our young adults. I appreciate Robert and Jacob allowing God to minister uh, to them, through them, and, uh, and just, uh, just being obedient uh, to the call that is upon their life. And uh, we're just looking forward. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, church, and I don't mean to be taking up time because I don't need to take up Robert. He'll hold you past 8 o'clock. His mama's here tonight, so she'll stop him. Uh, uh, but I don't know if you've noticed, but God has blessed our church with some great, great young people and, 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 and young ministers that can, that can preach. I mean, man, they can speak. And, uh, uh, and so I, I give, we give God praise for that. And uh, this church is not lacking in, in that, and, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, at any time, if I have to be gone like I was the other Sunday, I can call. I got a, I got a handful of folk, uh, you know, that we can call and say, hey, would you speak? And they'd, and they'd be glad to do that. And so, but I appreciate Robert, and I know you're going to enjoy him tonight. So give him the best hand clap you ever give him as he comes up here. Thank you. Boy, he put me up on a pedestal all of a sudden. Uh, I'm going to apologize because I have a few more notes than Jacob did. Um, I, I'm pretty long-winded as it is, and so uh, I'm going to bring this out so that I can keep track of time because... I do believe that there are some things that God wants to share with us tonight, but um, I, I want to be right in doing it, and uh, I don't want to waste your time. As Pastor said, if you'd like to join me, uh, we're going to start in 1 John chapter 3 tonight. And I started reading this, and I asked Pastor whenever he asked me, I said, is there any specific direction that you would like me to go in this scripture? And he said, you do whatever God tells you. Okay? <laughs> um, and so... As I was reading and as I was praying about this and as I was, as, as I was looking at the material and um, seeking God, asking him what he, what he wanted to share with, with his body tonight, um, God really worked on me in the midst of this. So 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look at the first nine verses. 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 1, says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called his children, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as, as he is. Can I just stop on those first two verses? Because... I have done a little bit of study into some other religions, just informationally, looking into things like Islam, and everybody's like, oh. but, I mean, it's kind of important to be able to minister to people who are in other areas, right? I've looked into things, some, some like Buddhism and some, some, different, uh, some different religions and different belief systems, and I have not found any deity in any other religion that seeks out to call humans their kids, we serve a God that desires for us to be his children. I, I'm sorry. God desires us to be his children. Does that not make you happy? Does that not make you excited? Because he could call us anything else. 
He could call us sinners because we, we are. He didn't have to come and do what he did, but he desires for us to be part of the family. You, you are an orphan before Christ come and died on the cross for you to be adopted into the family. Do you realize that? You, have, you had no parents. You had nothing. But God come in, and through Christ, he adopts us into the family. That's, that is, that is, whenever I, re, whenever I read that, I just wanted to take a lap. Just be honest, I just wanted to run. Because, because the God who created the universe looks at us and says, look, I, I want you to be my kid. Like, I, I don't want us to be friends, I want you to be my kid. In a lot of instances in the Old Testament, God talks about Israel as his people. He's, he looks at us today and he says, I don't want you to be my people. I want you to be my kid. You guys are my people. You're my church, right? I have friends. I call them my people. But they're not my kids. God looks at us and he, sa- he doesn't say, I want you to be my people. He says, I want you to be my children. And so in this first verse, John is expressing how great the love that God has for us that he actually seeks out to call us his children. That's awesome. That's awesome. It goes on to say that the world doesn't know us. It doesn't recognize us because it didn't recognize Christ. It's, It's just amazing to me how we get treated the same way that Christ got treated. I... That's, that's, not, that's not where I could go off really deep down that. Let's back up for just a minute. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're talking about being children of God. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory in his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He, he has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and has predestined to adopt us as sons. That's That's amazing. In him we have redemption through his blood. Can, can somebody say amen? We have redemption through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. What is his will? His, his will is for us to be included into the family. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together... In all things, excuse me, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Gathering everybody together in Christ. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance. Can, can somebody say amen? We, we're not just sons. We're not just adopted. We're like born in the family, adopted. Okay. We have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purpose possession to the praise of his glory. So, in, in one version of this, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is basically the down payment of our inheritance. So, I think of, like, stepchildren. Okay, this, the way that my mind works, whenever I first read this, I think of, like, a stepchild. And how sometimes in certain families, whenever a new child comes into the family, they don't get treated like the one born in the family. Does that make sense? Like when you get adopted in, and you get treated like you're adopted in. The Bible says that we don't just, we're not just adopted into the family. We're not just accepted into the family. The Bible says that we actually receive inheritance, an inheritance with Christ. That he has bestowed upon us. Let me go back and read this again because this is, this is too good. I could literally spend the entire time on this, on this one thing. It says that, that we, were, we have received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. What are the spiritual blessings? I mean, it's not just health and, and, and it's not just wealth. It's not just the way that we feel. It's, it's all of it. Every spiritual blessing, okay? So we receive Holy Spirit as the down payment of our inheritance. That's not all of our inheritance. Holy Spirit is amazing, and I'm so thankful for Holy Spirit working in our lives. But he is not, he is, as great as he is, there is still more in our inheritance. I'm looking forward to heaven one day. I, honestly, I don't really want to see it today because I still feel like there's some things to do. But I'm looking forward to it one day. There's a deeper inheritance. But Holy Spirit, we receive him as the down payment of our inheritance. As I said just a moment ago, verse 1 in 1 John chapter 3, or it's, yeah, the end of verse 1 says that the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Well, the Bible says that about Christ, doesn't it? The Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, his own people, his own, the people who had been given the promises and the prophecies about him coming, and his own didn't even receive him. They didn't even notice him. They didn't, they didn't see him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So as we receive him, let me stop there. As we receive him, we gain the right to become children of God. Okay? To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So God, is, God has, has reached out and he has called us children. He didn't just call us children. He also gave us spiritual blessings, not just one spiritual blessing, but every spiritual blessing. He also gives us an inheritance, which we get to receive a part of it here in our flesh, called Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that, that there are so many implications in that one thing? We have, we have all these spiritual blessings. Like I said, we have an inheritance. Holy Spirit comes in and he works in us and he works through us. 
and we get to do all these amazing things because God has called us out and adopted us into the family. Not as somebody who has been just adopted in, but somebody, but just as somebody who was actually born in the family. We're, God does not take away part of our rights or part of our inheritance because we're adopted in the family. He gives it all to us. He gives us, he gives us the keys to the kingdom. He gives us all the keys to the kingdom. We get a glimpse from Jesus just how deep we can get or just how deep we are invited into the family when we look at him and we say, well, Jesus was all God. Well, he was God in flesh, right? So it was his flesh that actually acted. Holy Spirit working through him, right? And he was able to do miraculous things like heal the sick, raise the dead, things that that we want to be a part of. Doesn't Christ tell the disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, he tells the disciples, he says, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Can I tell you that within our inheritance through Holy Spirit, that being adopted into the family, receiving all the benefits from being in the family, that we have this, we have that. We have authority to go in and lay hands on people and, and see them be healed. Some people don't like that. Some people like, I've laid hands on people and I haven't seen a single person healed. Well, God heals who he wants. Okay, I'll say that. But if you don't walk up and lay hands on him, he's not going to heal them. We pray in faith, believing that God's going to heal, and I believe that God heals in his way whether it be physically, a physical healing, whether it be an emotional healing, whether it be a mental healing, or whether it be in glorification. Let's just be honest. But we have been invited into the family to see this. John 14 and 12 says, most Christ says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. I don't believe that greater means more powerful because I don't know anything more powerful than raising the dead. But I do believe that, that we, following Christ's footsteps, gain the authority to speak into things and see them, to see them change. I believe that. When I read those first two verses, boy, I just wanted to run. I was so excited. I was so happy. It's like, yes, I get to talk to the, to the family about being invited and adopted into God's family. Get to talk to my church. And then I get to verse 3, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. First John chapter 3, starting at verse 3. This is a section that we don't like to talk about. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he being Christ was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he being Christ is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin 
because he has been born of God. I read that, and I was like, Lord, you really, you really don't want me to have friends, do you? <laughs> but this is Scripture. This is Bible. So if, if, if we're going to be in the family of God, we have to take on the likeness of the family, too. Have you, have you guys seen those commercials where, like, it flashes up and there's a picture of a person and a picture of their pet and they look almost identical? You seen those pictures? Like, the longer you live with somebody or something, the more you look like it. Have you seen those? The more we live like, the more that we live with Christ and walk with Christ, the more that we should be exemplifying and looking like Christ. Let me start right there at verse 3. It says, and everyone who has this hope in him, this hope of what? This hope of being in, entered into the family. This hope of being like him as he is. Seeing him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him does what? They purify themselves, just as he is pure. You know what that doesn't say? That they go and purify everybody else. I believe it's, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 7, um, where Christ is, is talking. Verse, verse 5, it says, Hypocrite, first remove the plank out of your own eye. And then you will clearly see how to remove the speck. You will clearly see how to help your brother. What was the first step? To purify the self. To sanctify yourself. To walk in holiness yourself. Not for me to look and say, hey, you're doing wrong. I need to be examining me first before I have any right to look at you. And when I look at you, it's not to be judgmental. It's to say, let me, let's walk together. When I got to this section and I read, read these last six verses, seven verses, and I started thinking, God, you want me to talk about sanctification and holiness? And I'm like, we don't like to talk about that. Because that's, that's, I, have to, I have to focus too much on me, and I don't want like to focus on me because I know all the bad stuff with me. Before I could speak this to you, I had to deal with this in me. Just being honest. I had to look at myself and say, God, am I pure? Have I purified myself? Do I have any right to say this to the, to the congregation? So we get these things confused. What is sanctification and what is holiness? Sanctification is the act of removing sin from your life and removing yourself from sin. Holiness is walking in a sinless life. It's essentially what it is. So you and I have an obligation as part of the family to sanctify ourselves. I'm not saying that we have the ability to do it in ourselves. I'm saying that as, as we get adopted into the family and as we receive Holy Spirit as the down payment of our inheritance that he allows us to become sanctified to walk out of sin going through these going through these last few verses it hit me hard and when i read this you guys have heard that sin means missing the mark right you've heard that before 
when I read this, you know what I, when I closed my eyes, what I saw was not somebody aiming for the mark and missing by accident. What I saw was when he said this, it, it, it appears that there were people walking around saying, you know, that maybe once you knew Christ, you can no longer sin like you could do anything you wanted and it wasn't sin. But what I, what I was seeing was, like, I know that there's a target over here because I know Christ, and that's the target, right? And I'm drawing back, and my sin is not that I aim for the mark and I miss. My sin is that I know that there's a mark over there, and I turn around and actually intentionally shoot the other way. That's, that's what I saw. That's the, way that, that's the way that it come across to me. When we know Christ, he reveals sin in our lives. He doesn't just reveal them, he forgives them. And then what does he do? He tells us to go and sin no more. Christ, I know Christ was fully in flesh, but he was also fully God. So whenever he said the words, go and sin no more, knowing that the Bible says that God cannot lie, he could not have given a command that was impossible to follow. If he said, go and sin no more, he didn't tell you something that you couldn't do. He didn't tell you something that was impossible for you. He said, go and sin no more because it's an actual possibility. If you subject yourself to him, if you come under, if you come under his covering, if you listen to him, then you can walk sinless. I'm not saying that it's easy. Don't mistake me. Man, Robert said that it was easy to walk without sin. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's difficult. Because our flesh has the propensity to sin. We want to sin. Like our flesh wants to sin. We want to do stuff that's bad. It's a daily struggle. That's exactly right. We have to take up our cross daily and follow him. Verse 6 says, whoever abides in him does not sin. What does that mean? If we live in Christ, we no longer sin. Now, I can see where some of these verses right here can easily get twisted. And you can walk out of here saying, boy, that guy who was up there talking tonight, he said, if I know Christ, then I can do whatever I want and none of it's sin. Don't, don't lie on me like that. I didn't say that. The Bible still says sin is sin. What this verse says is that if you are continuing in sin, then you really don't know Christ the way that you say that you do. That's a hard, that was a hard pill for me to swallow. I'm like, really? Like, that's, that's hard to choke down to tell somebody who continually goes out and intentionally sins. Now, I'm not saying somebody who's, who's seeking after God, I'm not saying that you're not going to make mistakes. I'm saying whenever you mindfully, willfully turn your back and go sin. That's what I'm saying. When you know that the Bible says, I know that this one's the easy one to avoid, okay? When, God, when, when the Bible says that murder is sin, if you intentionally go murder somebody, it's a sin, even if you have prayed a prayer of forgiveness to Christ. So is gossip. Backbite. Lust. All these other things are sin too. When you willfully, mindfully, purposefully go and do those things. Then the Bible says things like, you belong to the devil. 
know I, it's, it's quiet. I know I wouldn't get a whole lot of amens, but it's still the Bible. It's still the Bible. It's still what it says. The first few words of verse 7 implies that there were false teachers running around in that day. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. And I can just imagine the things that they were saying, probably what I was just telling you. Like, if you believe in Christ, you can do whatever you want, and none of it's no longer sin. Wrong. In the Bible, sin is still sin. Okay? In the Old Testament, God actually voices this. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 26 through 29, it says, When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live and he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the ways of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is, not, is it not my ways which are fair and your, your ways which are not fair? I've, it's either those exact verses or two or three verses ahead of that that another version says that if a righteous man turns around and goes into iniquity that his old righteousness won't even be remembered that's not man saying that that was God's decree and so if we if we get into this thought that once saved always saved do I believe that you can get saved once and stay saved absolutely I believe that I believe that. But do I believe that I can pray a prayer one time and turn around and go do the same junk that I was doing and still be saved and do it intentionally? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't. I believe that, that Christ came to adopt us into the family. But as we walk into the family, we take on his likeness. We purify ourselves as he is pure. We stop intentionally sinning because we now know what sin is. Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse 10 and going to 18. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of, of their salvation perfect through sufferings. What's it saying? It's difficult. It was difficult. It was difficult to bring us into the family. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children of God whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, Christ came in flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to, those, to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. What is all that saying? It, it says that Christ had a difficult task to come onto the earth, to walk sinless, and to die to accept us into the family. It also says that as he, as a faithful high priest, knowing how difficult it is to walk through temptation and not sin, is able to come in and aid us as we are tempted. You don't walk through temptation alone. You don't walk through temptation alone. Can I, tell you, can I share with you something? Temptation and sin are not the same thing. Because Christ was tempted, but he didn't sin. So they're not the same thing. You can be tempted. Temptation is whenever a, a sinful thought or idea comes into your mind. Comes into your thought process. Now, being tempted, if anybody has a brain like I do, crazy stuff goes through your head all day long. Some things you just let keep traveling to the other side. You just got to be careful what you grab onto. Because the things that you grab onto are the things that you're going to actually end up acting on. Christ was tempted, but he didn't sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Now, if you're purposefully going to something so that you will be tempted, now, the Bible also says to he, he that knoweth what's right and not to do it to him, that is sin. So if you know that you shouldn't go to the club, then don't go to the club. You know alcohol is a problem for you? Don't go to a place that serves alcohol. Again, I'm, I'm talking about willful sinning. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I know that it's right for me to hold the door open for somebody. If I see somebody coming, I will make an effort to open the door. Now, if they say, I'm not going that way, you know, whatever, then I'll let it go. But if I see you coming, and I shut the door and walk away anyway, knowing that you're coming that way, to me, that was sin for me. That was willful. I'm not talking about if I'm walking this way and I happen to not hear you or see you coming up behind me and I let the door close. That's not sin to me because it wasn't, it was, I did not know that that, it wasn't me willfully missing the mark. I'm talking about you and I have such a faithful God that he sent his son to be tempted just as we are. So that when we are tempted, we can't say, God, you don't know what it's like. Because he does. The Bible says that he was tempted in all manner just as we are. Without sin. You know, I, I, posed, that, I posed that thought the other day. I, I can't remember exactly who I posed it to, but it meant something to me. Because whenever I read that, and I read that he was tempted in every way just as we are I'm like Christ was tempted with alcohol he was tempted with lust he was tempted with homosexuality all these things started crossing my mind about all these different types of temptations that we deal with today and the Bible says that he was tempted in, every, in all manner just as we are yet he didn't sin 
we have a faithful God and a faithful high priest in Christ. And in these nine verses in 1 John, it starts out by calling us children, but then it turns around and tells us this is the garment of being a child, that we purify ourselves, that we walk in sinlessness. In reading this, there's a story in Matthew chapter 22 that comes to mind. Most of you know the story. I'm not going to read it. It's verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's the story of the king who's throwing a wedding banquet for his son. Most of us know the story. He sends out invitations, but nobody comes. He sends his servants out. He's like, guys, go get them, like, like. It's time. It's time to have. It's time to have this banquet. Go get them. And so he sends his servants out to, to to gather people to come to his son's banquet. And what happens? People turn around and they go back to their work. They actually see some of the servants and, and beat them and kill them. They they're mistreated. So what does the king do? The king says, "Look, go out onto the street, get whoever who wants to come, and get them in." That's us. The end of that story, the Bible says that when he comes in, that there's a guy sitting in the room who didn't have on his wedding garment. And he was cast into outer darkness. When I first read that, I'm like, you know, God, what if he was poor? Like, what if he didn't have the money to buy a wedding garment? That was my first thought. And then I heard this teaching one time. I don't know that it's true, but it made a whole lot of sense to me, and it revolutionized my thought on this verse. It, the teaching was that in ancient Jewish, Jewish custom, the, the dad of the son would actually put up a tent outside of the banquet hall and provide wedding garments to anybody who would come into the, bank, the wedding banquet. You just come on in here. We've got the size for you. You just put this on, and you're free to go into the wedding banquet. Holiness. God provides us with holiness. One person in that entire banquet thought he could slip in without changing his garment. Can I tell you, you're not going to slip into heaven without putting on holiness. The crazy thing is, is we don't even have to go and buy it ourselves. It's provided for us. Holy Spirit the down payment of our inheritance, we receive this huge inheritance from the Father who owns literally everything. Can I tell you, you've never taken a breath that God did not own. He owns it all. And he wants to give you an inheritance. But there will be people who will call on the name of Jesus but will refuse to change their garments. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the one standing at the gate who has cried out the name of Jesus. He said, look, you, you showed up, but you didn't change your outfit. And we had one for you. They couldn't make him change his outfit. He chose to walk in there without it. 
in looking at these scriptures. It's amazing that God calls us children, and it's even more amazing that he, he provides us with a way in walking in holiness. He could have stopped at giving us Christ. He could have. Matter of fact, when Adam and Eve sinned, he could have just went, and been done. He didn't do that. We serve such a loving, merciful, gracious, wonderful God that even in the midst of Adam and Eve's sin, he said, look, you're not leaving the garden without some clothes. He even provided them as he had made them leave. The nature of God, the totality of who God is, is wrapped up in love and care for us. Not just that we would be called kids, but that we would receive his, an inheritance with our brother Christ. But not just that, that we would receive a garment to where we would look like him, and we could walk like him, and we could talk like him. So tonight... I'm going to issue this to you. As verse, as verse 3 says, we purify ourselves as he is pure. My prayer is not, God, don't let me do anything bad. My prayer is, God, if I do something bad and I don't realize I did something bad, I want you to show me so I can fix it. I don't, I don't want this picture of holiness. I want holiness. Because God is not going to take a picture of holiness. He's going to take holiness. So let's, let's seek God. Let's figure out what he wants. He wants us in the family, but are there things that we're harboring from him that won't allow us to see him? Are there things that we're doing that God clearly states that is sin that we've never looked at because we haven't cracked open our Bible. What are we doing? Are we, are we walking the way that Christ wants us to walk? So my prayer for us tonight is God search us. That's a dangerous prayer, I'm going to tell you right now. If you pray it, God's going to start showing you stuff. But if you want to be Christ-like, that's a prayer that you, need to, that you need to pray. God, search me. Search my heart. Not if, not if I know you, not do, not do I call on your name, not do I pray or read my Bible enough, but am I harboring sin? Am I holding stuff back from you that you want to get rid of? First John said that he come to break the works of the devil. Is that okay? Can I, just, can I just pray over us tonight? Is that okay? Yes. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. God, I am so thankful for you, for your redemptive work, the fact that you loved us when we were unlovable, the fact that you gave your son while we were still sinners. God, we could never earn your love, but you continually give it to us anyway. God, we, we can't ask you for things because we don't deserve the breath that you give us anyway. But God, you call us out. You desire to call us your children. You didn't just call us your stepchild. You called us born in the family children. You have given us an inheritance. 
Holy Spirit, you have come to us to help us as the first fruits of our inheritance. But God, it's all for us to walk in holiness. It's all for us to walk in a way that we'll, we'll be able to see you, a way that we'll be able to fellowship with you, in a way that we'll be able to spend time with you. And so, God, tonight I pray, God, search my heart. Search my heart. God, if there's stuff in me that I'm harboring from you, if there's sin that I don't realize I have, God, but, but it's, it's separating me from you, and it's, it's not allowing me to see you the way that you desire to be seen, God, show it to me. I'm not just asking you to get rid of it and wipe it under the rug. I'm asking you to show it to me. Show me how to get out of it. Show me how to get rid of it. Show me how to run away from it. Because, God, all I want to do is see, all I want to see is you. All I want is you. And you love us so much that all you want to see is us. God, I thank you for your works. I thank you for your redemptive works. God, whatever it is, whatever I need to do, God, I want to do it. Whatever I need to lay down, I want to lay down. Because I want to say yes to you. I want to walk where you tell me to walk. I want to say what you tell me to say. God, I just, I just want to do what it is that you want me to do. But God, I'll never be effective if I continue to hide things from you. So God, reveal it in me. God, help me to get rid of it. Holy Spirit, move in us. Christ, we know that you are, you are seeking the face of the Father, that you are, that you are a great high priest. And that you are our big brother. You walked it first, and so show us how to do it. Show it to us in your word. God, help us to take your word to heart. Help us to, to live out what it is that you breathe. And God, we thank you. We thank you in advance for what you're doing in our lives and in the, in the days to come. God, we just want to see you. We want to know you. We want to know you deeper in a more intimate way than we ever have before. So God, help us to take the steps to get there. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, this I read those first two verses, and I just wanted to take a lap, but whenever I read those last seven verses, I was like, Lord. I had to scratch my head for a while. <laughs> I had to do some praying. But it's scriptural. God wants us to walk in holiness. Pastor Culp, is there anything? Guys, it's always an honor and a pleasure to be able to teach and to be able to, to minister and do all these things. But I, this, this is the important thing. Not anything that I have to say, it's not that. There's such a burden to see people return to this, the first love, the scripture. And not just to read it, but to study it out and to take it to heart. This is something that I struggled with the last two or three weeks. But I believe that God is, is doing something in our midst. I believe that God is working in us not just us here, but in our the entirety of our church. 
and I'm so thankful and so grateful to God to be able to be involved, even just a small amount in what he's doing. I love you guys. I'm so thankful for our church and what it is that God's doing with us. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Robert grew up here. I remember when he wasn't about gay. Grew up in our school. And uh, God's blessed us. He's blessed us. Amen. Pastor went out to, to remix just to uh, show support them. 